Welcome back. I'm Mike Fink, and this is Episode 7 of 5-Minute Forest Hill Podcast. Rotary is about helping people. It's what I hope we all want to do. We want to make people's lives easier, longer, more productive, less scary and painful. We even want to make their lives more joyful. And I'm going to go so far as to say that in generosity, we can be a little selfish. It feels good to help somebody. And it's even a bit of an ego trip to get some feedback about it. You can say, I did something good. When I used to give blood at university, they'd give you a little pin you could wear, and you could walk around all day wearing it to show people that you were a good guy. And it's so natural to help some people, kids in particular. They're innocents. They've got their whole lives ahead of them, and if we have kids of our own, it's very easy to imagine our own children in the same situation. Sick, hungry, or abandoned. How could you not want to help? Of course, it's also natural to help people we think are like us, near us in our own country. When asked what they'd cut from the budget, foreign aid regularly ranks up at the top. How can we send money overseas when we have people in need right here? We had the benefit of some speakers this past Monday. The people they help are right here in this country, but they're not the kind of people most people, even the most charitable, generally seek to help. Reverend Ian Whitehill and David Greer work in prison ministry. Here's Ian talking about what he does. Uh, We're just talking to uh, Reverend Ian Whitehill about his work in prison ministries. I was just hoping you could tell me, what's the message that you have for people when you're explaining the work that you do, the benefit of it, and what motivates you? Wow, three questions in one there. All right, the first one, um, we're motivated by a, a spiritual cause, which is that we are filled with a desire to serve those who we feel are less privileged in our society, who are actually caught up in a prison situation. The second question was about... Uh, What motivates you? What motivates me? Yeah. Uh, Well, the love of Christ does that, but also reading stories of prisoners who see themselves absolutely trapped and wanting to make a difference in their lives and knowing that that can happen if I go into prison with a good attitude, with unconditional love and a desire to see change in them. Yeah. And... If you have to explain uh, the benefits of the work that you do to somebody who's maybe a very, very strict law and order, lock them up, throw away the key type of person, what do you have a tactic for that or do you have a message for them? You mean uh, uh, benefits to the prisoners who feel that way or those outside prison who Either or have both. that attitude? Right. Um, I, I would certainly be trying to change their mind I guess by looking at their own lives and seeing how, uh, if they are in that same place, they would want to be treated in a way that's different from the way they are currently treating them. 
So to point up, in my terms, the hypocrisy of, of that. Thank you very much. These are two men motivated by a deep Christian faith. Now, I admit, that is not a faith I share. So how can I explain in secular terms that I think that the work that they do is worthy and good, even if I know I'd be repelled if the crimes of the men and women they help were described to me? More than two decades ago, I took a criminal law class in high school. My teacher, Mrs. Morrison, told us that sentencing and incarceration fulfilled three goals of the justice system. Punishment of the offender for transgressing, the protection of the community from crime, and the rehabilitation of the prisoner to permit the eventual full return to society. They were three separate points, equally important and essential. She had a firm belief that a system which lacked any one of these was incomplete. Focusing on rehabilitation and the prospect of parole is not, generally speaking, a winner. Politicians gain a lot more votes talking about long, harsh sentences than they do proposing new prison educational services or better inmate counseling. But if we don't put the effort in to bring these people back into the fold, we're basically exiling them, permanently branding them as criminals. And criminals are what they're likely to continue to be if this approach is taken. And so forgiveness and help and effort has to be part of it. When classes are set up in detention centers, when job retraining is provided, when mentoring is offered, it's done to assist in creating the opportunity for change and improvement. It may be appealing to think of these programs as simply a way to tick the box required by government guidelines and international standards. We've offered them a chance, they had the opportunity to improve, and they failed. And some likely do feel that way, but maybe thinking of these things less as giving them enough rope to hang themselves, and more as throwing them a lifeline, we can maybe arrive at a place that's a bit better for everybody. There's a vast continuum of people who need some help in the world, from grateful, smiling children through to the angriest, most terrifying convicted criminals. And while it takes a rare person to tackle the very toughest of these challenges, we can probably all push ourselves to open our hearts a little bit wider to let a few more people in. I know this has been a particularly emotive and preachy episode. With any luck, some of you will be back for the next one. I'm Mike Fink, and this has been 5-Minute Forest Hill.